Welcome to the Lotus Talks. Hi, let me introduce myself. I'm Granger Whitelaw, CEO of the Vietnam Group, and I host the Lotus Talks, along with my co-podcaster Cameron Lynch and various members of our team from time to time. The Lotus Talks is a show where we talk about the people and the companies that are making a difference in Vietnam and Southeast Asia, or doing good while doing well, as I like to say. It's the golden age here, and there are many exciting things happening. I hope to bring as much to you as possible. So get your coffee, sit back, and relax. And let's go. Good morning. I'm Granger Whitelaw with the Lotus Talks, and today I am visiting with Mason Cobb, who is the chairman of Victoria Healthcare and uh, launching a new brand called Victoria Vitality. We are so lucky to be here at Anfu, Ho Chi Minh City, right now at the hospital with Mason in his new facility in his uh, private concierge office suite where he is servicing his customers and, uh, and showing us around. It is a beautiful office, a beautiful facility. Mason, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you, Granger. It's my honor to be here and, uh, and chat with you about what we're doing and what hopefully we're contributing to the country. Absolutely, thank you so much. So as you know, the Lotus Talks is about people who are doing well uh, while doing good. And by that mean, meaning not just how much money you're making, but you know, contributing back to the country. And certainly you are a person who qualifies for that in spades, having been here for many, many years. So let's kind of talk about that, get a little background on, on you. So you came to Vietnam when, Mason? 1997 was my first trip. And... I must say that uh, it's like watching a, a child grow up and mature <laughs> into a big, strong, healthy adult, the progress of this country over that period of time. Yeah, so 97 puts you at, what, 22 years? It's about 22 years, yes. Wow, I mean, the growth and change must have been incredible. What was healthcare like 22 years ago in Vietnam? At that time, my mission coming over here was to head up the project to bring the first American-based clinic since the war and also to establish a standard, an international standard of health care on the ground here. There were other international firms, but all they did is put you on a plane and send you to Singapore. We were here to really serve the people at the highest level. So you were really part of the foundational beginnings of the healthcare industry in Vietnam. As far as private international goes, I, I like to think that I was among the, the first. That's amazing. Well, I'm sure you were. It's a long time ago. And, uh, so before you came to um, Vietnam, what were you doing in America? I was a pediatric surgeon, uh, and uh, I had a booming practice in Tacoma, uh, over the course of five years, we'd gone from me joining a solitary surgeon to a four-surgeon practice. 
But we'd sort of maxed out. We were bound in by the mountains, the sound, and, and so forth. But It's beautiful, though. The oh, it's a beautiful place. It was a vibrant practice. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, and also, I was an early adopter of laparoscopy. But as with many technologies, you get a big boost, you change the paradigm. But then there's a little lag in developing the technology where it goes to the heights that it's gone today. So laparoscopy, for those who don't know the word, is... That's where instead of making a large incision and actually going into a person's abdomen with your hands, the way people in one way or the other have done for 4,000 years, uh, we make a little miniature incision, we put in a camera, and right. then we put in miniature instruments that we uh, manipulate with the camera. Right, right. I used to call it video games for surgeons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when I had my, my I had heart surgery, you know, uh -huh. which I, I haven't really talked about on the show, but a triple bypass, one of the things they had to do before that was go in through my wrist with a little camera and look at my heart to see the blockages. So that's laparoscopy. Technically it's not, but it's similar. It's in the... Uh, big basket called minimally invasive surgery. Okay. It means that we make as little in terms of cutting as right. possible. Okay. So for pediatrics, that would be important too. Very important. Yeah. And uh, it, it's a beautiful technology. It's revolutionized the field. But at that point in time, it couldn't go any further. And then out of a clear, clear blue sky, people came mm -hmm. and asked me to come over here and do this project. So, yeah, so how did you get from your challenge. beautiful home in America with a booming practice, leading technology uh, in America to Vietnam 22 years? What was the impetus for that? It was just the challenge of doing something new. And quite honestly, I think most Americans, because of the war and uh, the devastation, the way everything turned out, we felt a little bit of a moral obligation that mm. of all the countries on the planet that maybe we could give back a little. Maybe there were some wounds that we could heal a little bit. Help heal and help bring uh, mm -hmm. some help to uh, Southeast Asia to Vietnam specifically. Yes. Wow, that is wonderful. So you came and started working here, and eventually you met Dr. Tung? Dr. Tung was the Doogie Hauser of Vietnam <laughs> at the time. Wow. He was our assistant at the time, and he really is one of the heroes of this country. What had happened is, after the embargo came off, uh, there was a hospital license. A group from Houston got the license, but somehow couldn't do anything with it, and so it was about to die. Uh, Tuong, uh, Dr. Tuong, mm -hmm. took that license, shopped it around, kept it alive, kept it on life support until he could personally find another company, which was the company that I was representing from Seattle. Mm -hmm. So he kept that possibility of bringing in American care and bringing in that higher level of health care. He wow. was the one who personally kept that alive. But meeting him at Tunson Yacht Airport in those days, that was pretty incredible. Uh -huh. It was like all, however many people, 70 million people were all at that airport in the heat when you got off that plane. Oh, yeah. It's still kind of like that. Right? Yeah, it is. It's a big thing to go pick up your family and greet your friends when they come to Vietnam. It's always 
attacking people when I arrive. Yes. But believe it or not, it's so much more organized and less crowded today than it was then. Again, it's, uh, it's something you have to see it to believe yeah, it. But anyway, uh, so Tuong was basically my absolute right hand as we put that together. And then after a while, we both had a little trouble with the, I shouldn't say trouble, we were on a slightly different page than the group that we were with, whose background was elder care, not acute care. Okay. And so I left, and then a few years later, uh, maybe two years later, Tung just showed up in Seattle and Tacoma and said, Mason, let's do it together this time and let's do it our way. And that's how Victoria was born. So you came in 97, you, you met Tung during that time period, mm-hmm. but you actually went back to the United States. Yes. Okay. I see. And then Tom, who you had met here, came mm-hmm. to the U.S., knocked on the door and said, Mason, come back. We're going to revolutionize medicine in Vietnam. That, that was exactly the conversation. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I've met uh, Dr. Tom a couple of times, uh-huh. and I can believe that. He is uh, a very focused, tenacious guy. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and wow, the country is lucky to have him. He, they definitely are. That's wonderful. So what year did you create Victoria Healthcare? We got our first license in America in March of 2003. Uh, We established actually in Vietnam through the British Virgin Islands in 2003 and 2004. And we opened the doors to take care of people in December of 2005. Okay, so 14 years ago? Going on 14 years. Wow, exciting. Amazing, amazing. So, tell us about those 14 years. What uh, what are the biggest changes you've seen for Victoria and for healthcare here in Vietnam? Well, it's very interrelated. Uh, You can't say Victoria did this, but healthcare in Vietnam did that. Uh, I like to think that we were just simply part of the growth of healthcare from something that very candidly was not international standard mm-hmm. to something where there is a lot of very excellent care being given now. Uh, for us, uh, our challenges remain the same as they were. And that's how do you find people who are very dedicated to, as we call it, the Victoria way. That is, how do you give the highest care of, of the highest standard of care and caring at something approaching a price that people can afford. How do we do that? And so that challenge remains, and I think it's a challenge for anybody here who wants to give the highest level of health care. So that challenge, if I'm hearing you correctly, is the growth of international standard health care, standards, if you would, here in Vietnam, and trying to find uh, practitioners who can offer that service and being able to do it at a price point that's affordable. Because mm-hmm. that's a big problem, right? You know, the cost of medical care, certainly in the United States, is just crazy out of control. Oh, it is crazy in the U.S., but also if you look worldwide, um, you can't go to Singapore and uh, leave uh, the healthcare system there with your wallet as fat as it was when you got off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> and But... Our equipage is expensive. The level of expertise that doctors who train for many years have 
uh, is costly. Uh, at the level that we do, where we have uh, a lot of people who are around to help, to mm -hmm. explain, it, it all is not cheap. Mm -hmm. The other, uh, behind the curtain for what we do, is a lot of training in two ways. One is to teach how to really care for people, how to, in your heart, want to do good for people. Mm -hmm. And there are parts of the system here where people are trained where you see 80 people a day and it's very hard to remember that each one of those persons needs to be treated no, with that's absolute compassion. That's I'm talking, but that's that's the um, mainly that would be the the public sector. Mm -hmm. But and again, it's not that they go out of their way to be uh, mean to people, but it's the constraint of the system that's hugely overburdened and. When people are caught in an overburdened system like that, you don't get them at their very best. Sure. And sure. so when they come to us, they first have to see that there is another way of practicing mm -hmm. and then train them up in that way to practice, plus always keeping their skill levels up, always being a learning organization where you're mm -hmm. constantly learning and, and changing. Yeah, constant training, upskilling, uh, reinforcing customer service and patient care for sure. Yes. Um, you know, it's 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 a dilemma, and I, I, I you and I talk about outside of this yeah. interview obviously often, and, and it's something that I care a lot about, and, uh, and I think we all do healthcare and you know, the cost of healthcare. I, I was speaking to a friend of mine, Tony, um, the other day, and he kind of tore his, his ACL a little bit. Ooh. He lives in Canada. And uh, he called me yesterday morning, actually, and said, well, I'm going to get an MRI in two weeks. And I said, what do you mean two weeks? He goes, well, I can, I can pay $700 to accelerate the time for them to see me, but I really don't need to. I can wait two weeks because i got to heal anyway. Because uh, healthcare is free, you know, right? So, uh -huh. you know, again, you can get it faster if you want it, but the systems in Canada and other places are all overburdened. It's not just yeah. Vietnam or anywhere, right? And it's hard to to give public health care um, to, to a mass population. And besides the skill sets, just trying to schedule them, right? And oh, it's, it's very difficult. And again, the problem your friend had in Canada is exactly the same problem that we have in health care here. There's too many people, too much illness, and not enough resources. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, that's it. But that's also facing the reality that we have, not only in medicine, but in everything you have in life. You pay for whatever you receive mm -hmm. by either your time or your money. If you got the money, you fly first class, you get on the plane first, you get off the plane first. Right. If you don't have the money, you're flying economy, and it's going to take you a little bit longer and a little less comfort. Sure, but you still get there hopefully. Yeah, the, at the end of the day, though, you still get there. <laughs> I'll tell you, and I'll, I'll tell you, I heard an interesting story, and, and it wasn't a story, but I, I backed it up with some other uh, stories I've heard, and actually a friend of ours here, Nestor, who had a stroke a year ago. Oh, and, yeah. And he had a brain aneurysm. And he had a very limited amount of time, but they actually took an FD, and they said, we can't deal with this. FD is a private hospital here, a French yeah. hospital. And they actually ended up taking him to the medical military hospital downtown Ho Chi Minh City. And 
they have the best doctors who are able to save his life. And I think that is uh, emblematic of a lot of cases because when I spoke to, to Rad, actually, over at uh, the Media Group Foundation, and I was asking about my heart issue, and he said, Granger, if you ever have a heart issue, don't go to FV, go right next door to the, to the uh, Vietnam Medical Hospital. Uh-huh. They have the best heart surgeons. So, uh-huh. you know, at the same time, where there's a downside to public health care and, and the backlog and, and the conversation we were just having, one of the great things about the Vietnam and other healthcare systems are some of the best surgeons are found in those public hospitals. Absolutely. There's no substitute for experience, and the people in the public hospitals have tons of experience. Mm-hmm. And again, it's the growth of healthcare here is that there are definite centers of excellence in this country now. Mm-hmm. And so how many um, hospitals and clinics does Victoria have now, healthcare? We have four clinics. We don't have hospitals, but... We're just focused on the highest standard of care for outpatients. Right, right. So outpatient clinics, you have four. Yes. I think I've been to all four and one with the other. For some reason. Yeah. Myself, meeting you, uh, my girlfriend. And well, uh, great facilities. I, I tell you, I, I've always had a wonderful uh, experience, and I've heard nothing but good things about the hospital, so, or the clinic. So you're doing uh, something very right. I'm glad to hear that. That makes me feel good great that it's appreciated and that we're we're doing a good job for people. Absolutely. So I want to talk about a subject that I know is near and dear to your heart, which is Victoria Vitality. Yes. Uh, I guess what we have to say is we call ourselves Victoria Healthcare and the word for um, how you take care of sick people is called healthcare. But really, health and illness are two different things. We should be calling ourselves sick care. And I don't mean just uh, Victoria, but I mean any given medical facility. It's really about sick care. Mm -hmm. But you have 10 trillion cells in your body, all trying to be healthy. 10 trillion cells. cells in your body that are you. And all 10 trillion of those cells are trying to work together to be in good health. They're not just trying not to be sick or to get better if they are sick. They're trying to be healthy. And so what Victoria Vitality is looking at, and with our new partner, Synagenics, who is the founder and the the greatest name internationally in age management wellness, what we believe in is that you can take those 10 trillion cells and you can study them deeply and you mm-hmm. can take them to a higher level wherever you are. So Cenogenics is a U.S. company? It's a U.S. company that recently has become international. Their international branch, I think, in the last two years has gone from something like one site to six or seven oh, sites. Oh, wow. Amazing. So they're a leader in, uh, in that new uh, technology that you're using? Or philosophy? It's more of a philosophy and a paradigm shift. That is... Um, you don't have to be sick to come to us. If you are sick, we will diagnose your illness and more than just getting you over your illness, then we will focus on what is it to bring you to maximum health. So what this is, is Victorian Vitality. This is a new uh, division of Victorian Healthcare that you're yes. launching now. 
And now I have some notes from earlier conversations we've had, so uh -huh. I was cheating a little bit, but let me just, I want to repeat a couple of words and messages that I've heard from you. Mm -hmm. Obviously wellness, um, personalized medicine, Yes. Concierge care, uh -huh. right? Curated health, mm -hmm. pillars, pillars of wellness, and precision wellness. Now, a common theme in all of these is very personalized, one-on-one, -on -one, and deep medicine, right? So yes. maybe you can help clarify that for us. What you're really offering here is concierge care, personalized. What we're offering is basically your optimum health, but your optimum health may be different than mine and may be different than Mr. Twen's. Mm -hmm. And part of the paradigm shift is at the scientific medical level. Anybody can go to a gym, anybody can eat right, and they can be healthy. But the question is, how can you do that at the best level of science? Mm -hmm. and the best level of technology that we have. And uh, part of that is, again, studying those 10 trillion cells very deeply. If we, as I say, if we study you, you will be different from me. Mm -hmm. What I need is different than you in terms of optimal wellness. And this is the paradigm shift. Right now, we practice help, uh, Victoria Healthcare practices evidence-based medicine, mm -hmm. which is the best medicine for a population that you can do. That is, we take the scientific knowledge from doing studies. The studies taking blood or those kind of things. Well, it's more it's more asking a question. For example, what is the best indicator in the lab of a heart attack of, of an impending heart attack? Well, what you'll do is you'll take a thousand people or a hundred thousand people and you'll apply this test to some but not all and then you'll see which tests are predictive. And then when it comes to practicing medicine, you'll order that test for someone that you're concerned about heart disease. But that is also a one-size-fits-all. That's looking at all 10,000 people and seeing what works for most. The paradigm shift is that now we can look at you individually because the science is advanced enough that we can learn what does Granger have uniquely that we need to take care of mm. and what does Granger have uniquely that will make you the best Granger. <laughs> that's great. And it's that's fascinating great. to me. Really, I've been sitting here this yeah. thing, and I listen to you, and I listen to you for you know, an hour before. I just, fascinates me. It's a great interest to me and many people, but it's also a bit of a preventative, right? Is, it, is that not only, when you say what's best for me, it's like, okay, Granger, now listen, you know, you're a little overweight, you need to exercise a little more and do this kind of exercise, not that kind of exercise, because you've told me that. You said, yes. Granger, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're hurt, you want to get your blood vessels built up again, uh -huh. you're fast walking, don't run, have your heartbeat over 120, whatever it is, right? Yes. So that is preventative uh, and a way to stay in shape, stay healthy. These are kind of the pillars you talk about, right? Yes. Eating right and, and really taking all this knowledge that we gained, and certainly you gained, to be able to do a holistic approach to, uh, to my health or individual's health. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. And uh, 
holistic is a tricky term yeah. because within but it is holistic I mean there's one Granger and one Granger alone in all the things that are keeping you alive and keeping you well are working well what we do scientifically is that we do kind of deconstruct that wellness and say well what are the parts of wellness you as you say there's exercise and how you do it and good diet there's how do you manage stress you're starting new businesses and stuff and I'm trying to keep the lights on and businesses. I think that's a lot of my heart, my heart issues from stress. Absolutely. How did I have Absolutely. Uh -huh. And then there's also, in some cases, hormonal manipulation, and in some mm -hmm. cases, the vitamins and the minerals that, that will help you do better. Mm -hmm. But again, it's holistic. And one of my critiques of the medical literature right now is, for instance, I was reading a dietary study the other day, and it said that the people who did this had more heart attacks, and the people who did that mm. had less heart attacks. But it's isolated. It's, well, did the people who had more heart attacks, were they also couch potatoes? Right, right. Were they prime athletes? Right. Were they stressed? Were they whatever? And so it's putting all of those component so parts theory, together. Right, you got to look at not just one definition, The other things in the petri dish, basically, that are making up that group. Yes. In, uh, Otherwise, it's not a fair assessment. No, it's for the individual. It's you take the parts apart and yeah. see what they are. Then you put them back together again in, in a way that really works. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. And I also um, want to uh, address that concept of prevention a little more, too. What Victoria Vitality Cynogenics does is uh, we ramp up the prevention to a different level. Right now we think of prevention is, I'm feeling okay, so I'll go in for my yearly physical exam. <laughs> and the doctor says, well, you're okay, uh, exercise, eat right, I'll see you in a year. Right. And that's sort of prevention. If there was anything wrong, the doctor would have found it and corrected it, oh. that's prevention. But we're talking about a different level of of prevention being really solid health practices in all of those five areas. That is, instead of just um, get some exercise, I'll see you in a year, it's how can we help you design uh, an exercise program, a diet, um, working on stress relief and the other things in ways that really work for you and benefit you and then follow you along that journey as you progress. Kind of like in your hands or in our hands, personalized wellness plan. Absolutely. That talk about. Mm -hmm. yeah. But the other part of the paradigm shift is that sick care is by its nature passive. That is, I'm sick, you know, doctor, do something for me, to me, at me, through me. Right. And oh. you do that for sick care, but you're passive. It's, doctor, I'm sick, and now you're going to do something to me. The other part of the paradigm shift, maybe the most important part, is you're now taking your health into your own hands and improving it. And, well, as you know from your, your previous experiences, a very high-level um, 
you were a Navy SEAL or you were no, Special Forces. Right. Special Forces is you were at the peak of health at that point, but you did it yourself. Nobody else was doing those push-ups and clap your hands stuff. Right. You were doing it. And so, so part of the prevention is uh, that you're taking an active role in your own health and you're doing those things that are going to really optimize you. That's great. Wow, well, thank you. It's mm -hmm. exciting that you're doing that. It's exciting you're bringing that level of care to Vietnam and, uh, and able to share that with the country, really, not just, not just wealthy, but anybody who wants it, you offer it to them. Uh, and that's a wonderful, wonderful philosophy and, and uh, way of doing business as well. So uh, to that, mm -hmm. I want to ask you another question. Mm -hmm. Two questions, actually, before we end. One, are there any life lessons you've learned here in Vietnam? You can think about that while I ask the other question if you want. <laughs> I guess... One life lesson is very selfish, and that's that I came over here for the challenge, but the money was in the U.S. Um, you can make a lot more money being a pediatric surgeon in the U.S. than you can trying to develop new models of healthcare mm -hmm. in a country that's itself developing. And it's learning the value of that. It's not how big is your house. It's not uh, um, the value of your portfolio. It's what are you really contributing. And so the life lesson there is it's better to give than to receive in a way, right? It's, it's very fulfilling to help people other than just trying to fulfill your personal needs with a bigger car, house, faster car, another trip. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. It's, um, That's why I love you, man. Literally. That's why so many people Because that's you. Right? That's awesome. I love that. Well, on a good day, you're trying to do stuff for other people. Oh, yeah. That does come back to you. And, uh, it does. That, that so, I mean, segue to the next question I had is, you know, one of the things we, we really do and set up to do at the Lotus and Lotus Talks is to uh, talk with people who are making it. If I was going to ask you, what difference are you trying to make going forward in Vietnam? You've done so much now. It could be a charity that you're really behind right now, or um, I mean, obviously with all the medical things you're doing, it's hard to it's hard to one up that. But uh, is there anything special on your heart or on your mind right now that you're trying to do in Vietnam to make a difference going forward? Probably um, two things. One is to have Victoria Healthcare even better known for what our philosophy and what our approach is. That we would, in fact, it's in our vision statement, that we could become the standard for what healthcare can be for Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, we're probably not there yet, but every day to try to do a little bit more to be the highest standard that can set a standard for Making what, a difference the best by bringing those practices to Vietnam, right. continuing the vision of the mission you have, really. Right. Yeah. And the other is, like most technologies that are new, they go, quite frankly, to people who can afford it first. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember a few years ago, a DVD was, was $1,000. Okay. 
and then they were a hundred dollars. Now they don't even right? exist anymore. <laughs> People are saying, "What's a DVD? What's but, a VHS?" No. But I was recently at Costco in the United States, which is a big box uh, yeah. cut rate retailer, and I remember the big HD TVs. Uh, they used to cost thousands of dollars. Yeah. Now they had a forty-three inch, which is a forty-three inch, which is a little bigger than big. than yeah. some. It's one hundred eighty-nine dollars. You believe it. Right, but the point is the technology starts someplace at a high price point mm -hmm. and then comes down. And that's what I really want for Victoria Vitality. Right now, because of the nature of the hands-on that we give, the depth that we study, it is not an inexpensive product, mm -hmm. but it's how do we bring those lessons, how do we bring that level of care basically to everybody here. Mm -hmm. And those are the challenges and the goals, the vision. Well, it's, it's almost like an R&D company in a way. And I know you're experimenting with some new technologies to uh, stay way ahead of the industry here and even what we've seen in the United States. Um, and uh, that's a different conversation. But being able to really refine your business model, refine the technologies, and pass that out into or down through Victoria Healthcare first, uh, which is then... Uh, able to spread out through all of Vietnam and the healthcare system. So I think you're, yes. you're doing it the right way. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, like anything that starts up, like your startup businesses, sure. you, time will tell if we're doing it right. Yeah, yeah. And again, just one of those small things, uh, actually not a small thing, but people's minds work differently now in Rev4. That is, in the age of the cell phone, the mm -hmm. smartphone, where... Every, every, every bit of knowledge that people have ever known are available to you in a few clicks. Mm -hmm. It also means we become very visual, very graphic, and we have a shorter attention span. Sure, sure. It means that as you educate people, which is essential to them really developing good health habits, to educate people, you need to put it in terms that are very visual, very graphic, very understandable. Mm -hmm. It's the yeah. I think the, the generation X and generation Y and generation Z now, or whatever it is, right? I mean, definitely they are on their phones all the time. They're on mobile all the time. Yes. And, and they have short attention spans, right? It's not mm -hmm. like dating apps where they swipe right, <laughs> swipe right. Well, yes. I mean, like we laugh about that, but think about that. You know, if you're sick and in pain, you'll sit and wait at the hospital for as long as it takes, right? Yeah. And you'll go through it, and you have to. You've got no choice. Dying, help me, mom, take me to the hospital. But you know, if you're just kind of not, or if you're feeling like a little bit of a sniffle, or you know, you need a little information, or you don't know, your attention span is really low. They're going to go to their phone. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to go to the internet, and they're going to swipe. They're going to swipe right if they don't get it quick. Mm -hmm. So being able to make it visual, being able to make it entertaining. Um, and in a way that they can also learn in their own time is really important. So if that is something you can accomplish with healthcare and in your individual visits here, boy, you'll make a big difference, I think. Absolutely. Uh, again, part of that vision uh, both ways is how do we bring healthcare to, if you will, the new mind that people have, the Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. And... Uh, Again, their expectations, their way of thinking, their way of learning is so different. And 
we old dinosaurs yeah. in healthcare need to adapt to that. <laughs> Boy, I don't think you're adapting. I think just like when you came here 22 years ago to kind of lead and help with international standards, you are still doing it by leading with technology and new business models, basically. And it's, it's amazing to see it, and we're so lucky to have you here. Uh, it's, it's been my honor to be here, and likewise my honor for you to ask me these questions. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Is there any last words you'd like to share with us today? Uh, be healthy, be well. Be healthy, be well. Thank you so much. Mason Cobb from Victoria Healthcare and Victoria Vitality. What an honor. Thanks so much, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you, Granger. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many other podcast platforms so you never miss an episode. If you want to support what we do, then share and leave a comment. You can always find us on our website at thevietnamgroup.com forward slash The Lotus, as well as our Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and just about everywhere in the world. Just search for The Vietnam Group. We post updates daily and feature the Lotus blog and podcast. Until next time, the Lotus Talks. See you soon.